Hence this very large baby whom she dotes on a little bit too much with the overfeeding. That's messed up. Yeah. Wait, so then I want to know how they die. She overfed him to death, which you can assume. And then what? She commits so suicide? Th- that's not what happens. So what oh. happens Wait a minute. He ate her. <laughs> no, he didn't. No, that's um, not right. She... And then he choked. <laughs> Ew. From Rosemary's Baby and Reagan McNeil, to Jason, Freddie, and Chucky, to Samara, Jigsaw, and Pennywise, we can't get enough. If it's blood-curdling, spine-tingling, breath-quickening, or soul-stealing, we're ready to watch it. Welcome to Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards. With me tonight are my two co-hosts, Anne Conley. Hey, everybody. And Helen Stewart. Hello. All right, tonight we are reviewing... The 2001 Canadian-American supernatural horror film 13 Ghosts, directed by Steve Beck. It's a remake of the 1960 film 13 Ghosts by William Castle. It was shot entirely around lower mainland British Columbia. Okay, so to start off, we usually talk about if we've seen the movie before and what our expectations were going into the rewatch. So, Helen, you want to start us off? Sure. I have seen this movie before. I assume I saw it around 2001 as a blockbuster night. Blockbuster and chill? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> sure. Uh, we'll go with that. I didn't remember a single thing. And when I watched it this time, I realized why. <laughs> All right, Anne. <laughs> All right. I mean, I was excited to see this film. It was the one, one of the ones um, I've chosen. Same as Helen, absolutely, you know, girls sleepover, blockbuster rental for sure, 100%. I remember really liking this, you know, back in 2001, 2002 when I saw it. It was right when, you know, sort of the tide had turned and like a lot of scary movies were coming out. There were some pretty pop ones. And, and I remember really enjoying this one. Going back and watching it again. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know so much, but uh, it, it was a fun, quick journey. Okay, so we reviewed The Ring, which came out, I believe, in 2002. And this movie is, to some extent, a holdover from the 90s to me. It has this poppy feel. And I remember thinking this when I saw it in 2001. It's a consumable, like, popcorn movie. And going into the review, I was thinking I was going to feel the same way. And to be honest with you, I think I pretty much did. Okay, so, Anne, do you want to play the trailer? Sure thing, Ray. Here we go. Trailer time and action. There are ghosts around us all the time. Most of them, they can't hurt us. Most of them don't even want to hurt us. But there are exceptions. Is it bad tonight? Oh, bad? It's my professional opinion. We should get the hell out of here. Now. I represent the estate of your Uncle Cyrus. We have an Uncle Cyrus? Cyrus recorded this message six weeks ago. He asked it to be played for you in the event of his death. Arthur, I've instructed my lawyer to deliver my last will and testament. A key? A key to what? A key to your new house. This house is the fruit of my life's work. Oh my god. It is a one of a kind home. It's marvelous, isn't it? Wow! 
Arthur, we've got some papers to sign in the library. After that, I would love to take you and the family around the tour of the house. This place is awesome! All right, now I know I'm dreaming. Well, your uncle was quite a collector of many things. What the hell was that? This Halloween, you're wasting your time. It's all sealed up. The only thing worse than being trapped in a house with a ghost. This house is not a house. We're in the middle of the machine. Trapped in a house with 13 ghosts. Maggie! What? We got company. Where? I can't see. How close is it? Close enough to hurt you. Go, go, go! I guarantee nothing. Ghost hunter Cyrus Criticos and his psychic assistant Dennis Rafkin lead a team on a mission to capture a spirit called the Juggernaut. Several men, including an apparent Cyrus, are killed while the team is able to catch the ghost. Cyrus's nephew, Arthur, a widower, is informed by Cyrus's estate lawyer, Ben Moss, that he has inherited Cyrus's mansion. Financially insecure, Arthur decides to move there with his two children, Kathy and Bobby, and their nanny, Maggie. First problem that I have. (laughs) He's financially insecure due to a horrible fire from his previous house. His wife gets killed. How do you afford a nanny? Not a great nanny, but they still afford a nanny. That is true. I I also wonder, where's your homeowner's insurance? Like, (laughs) what? Because your house, like, burns up, you don't have any money? I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's not how that works. Uh, Maybe he just didn't have any insurance. Yeah, that made no sense, really. The nanny, the lack of homeowners. I mean, they they lived in what seemed like a pretty upscale, middle-class neighborhood house anyway. Uh, Middle-class? You kidding me? That was a nice house. Yeah, I don't know. They were it, wealthy. That's what I mean, I don't understand what happened. I guess maybe the the inference is that he let it all when his wife died, he just kind of let everything go because it passed due bills and he just couldn't work or something. I didn't really understand that yeah, piece. I thought it made more sense that he had a mental breakdown, not that they were destitute. Yeah. But yeah, and I totally agree. Also, it's not like they need a nanny that they have like two, you know, four and five year old kids. He has like a 16, 17 year old daughter. I, she looked 25 I, to me. I, I, yeah, I couldn't tell. <laughs> I really thought she probably was 18 or uh, older. Yeah, yeah. I mean, can we just talk about the characters for a second? You know, of course, we've got Shannon Elizabeth, so quintessential, right, with... with 90s. Right, like American Pie and everything, and Matthew Lillard, who, of course, we just saw on Scream again, so I thought that was awesome. Shaggy. <laughs> Does Shaggy's voice. Although I will say, you know, just while we're on the subject of characters, that um, Matthew Lillard, you know, of course, playing his character in this... Ugh, probably one of the weakest. Well, there were quite a few weak spots in the movie, but he he kind of annoyed me with his acting throughout. Yeah, it was like he was trying to take his shtick from Scream and just slightly adapt it for this movie. But I will say that he kind of grew on me as the movie went on, I guess. I agree with that. I felt that a lot of his jokes fell short. 
Yeah. But he did grow on me as the movie went on. Yeah, and you could almost believe that his weirdness was caused by his sort of psychicness, right? But yeah, could, which was fine. I agree. Yeah. But but sort of the intonation and the jokes and, and the saliva again. I was like, is your There's thing so saliva? Sweaty. Yeah, that and the sweating. Everybody was so sweaty. Yeah, I don't hey, know. It's, it's a glass house. It's hot. In but. It wasn't even daylight out. There's nothing. <laughs> like, I just, why is everybody dripping in sweat and saliva everywhere? I don't know. That, Adrenaline. So, <laughs> so, can I, so can I start by saying that this movie, the very first, I want to say the very first shot of the movie is this like, MTV music video camera cocked to the 45 degrees through the junkyard thing. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. (laughs) That was my first thought. I was like, oh, this is it. Yeah, I have to say I felt exactly the same thing. At first, like I was excited. Again, I was excited to see this because I thought it was going to be really nostalgic and a pretty good movie. Like a decent, like a pop pop horror movie. You got one right. (laughs) A (laughs) A pop horror movie. But, you know, fun, like enjoyable. And then yeah, it starts in that gr- in, in in the junkyard exactly to your point, Ray. And I was and like my stomach actually sank. <laughs> I was actually like, "What is this piece of shit that we the big that tra- I chose to watch?" Through, like, oh man, oh with the sparks. Yes. Oh god, it was so bad. Yes. It was so bad. And I was like, I don't remember why they're in this junkyard. What does even happen? What's this relevance? And oh, but then right, the car comes in and Cyrus steps out right in his like silk. Right, scarf and like the trench coats flying, and it suddenly felt like we were in like Raiders. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, wait, we yeah, we went from the bad MTV music video to Indiana Jones, and, and thank God it stabilized somewhat after that. Yeah, I remember thinking going into the rewatch. One of the things I remember from having seen it previously is I thought like, oh, it was kind of like Ghostbusters. Like I remembered this aspect of. The sort of ghost hunting piece. And I thought that was cool the first time, I think. And this time I couldn't get over the bad dialogue. And it was so, it was felt so rushed. They tried to cram so much into that first scene so you understood what was going on to, to set up the rest of the movie. But it had no room to breathe. Uh, and like all the paramilitary guys running around and all that, it, it was just weak to me. And can I bring up one other thing about um, Cyrus versus monk what's his name oh arthur so tony shalhoub plays arthur all right so cyrus is 57 years old when he (laughs) dies okay it says it in the newspaper tony shalhoub was born in 1953 he was 47 when he was in this movie i don't understand how this uncle nephew thing works it can work I have a half sister. Well, that's twenty years no, old. No, no, no. My I, mom is an aunt to somebody who's actually older no, than her. I'm, yeah. No, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, eat it, Ray. I'm not saying that you can't be within a decade of of your uncle or your nephew in age. What I'm saying is they make it sound like Cyrus used up a whole the whole family fortune before like Arthur was around to experience it, and he's only like not even ten years. Older. That is true. I didn't even think of it that way. Okay. Yeah. I'll go so with that. Th- that was my problem. I guess that was not one of the things I that concerned mean, me. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, look, I'm I li- not going to lie. Look, I literally, <laughs> I literally was like, is Tony Shalhoub supposed to be, is he my age? And if so, do I look that old? No. <laughs> Thank now, you. Now the truth comes out. Yeah, that, no, that's what you're I mean, concerned it, about. It, believe me. It Forget can, about like the family no, no. fortune that you're just trying to ground it yeah. in some sound piece of logic. I just, <laughs> I just. Please tell me I look good. Yeah, Please. It consumed me through most of the movie. I'm not going to lie to you. I was looking at Tony Shalhoub on like, 
is is he really only like 39? But I feel I like know. he's like a kind of guy who doesn't age past a certain point. Like, I think he's always looked 47. That's what I was going to say. Well, I, think I was going both ways. He was never <laughs> younger and he was never yeah, older. Right. That's... Yes, he's always been 47. Yeah. Yeah, if that, I was going to say, I think he's always looked 60. Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think monk. he might have dyed his hair in here or Poor monk. Come on. He's just got that face. It's like those people that like, even when they're 24, they already look like they're, yeah, yeah. like 40 yeah. or 50. No, can... And you're just like, oh. So, so, so to, to reel it back Sorry. in, to reel it back in slightly, not like I, your baby face, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I will, I will say one thing about this movie. I liked the general concept of the technology meets the spells written on the glass, and they never went into it enough or used it enough that made me appre- appreciate it, like in the movie. But I thought a better movie could have used this whole idea. So have have either of you seen the 1960s version? I'm no, curious. I literally did a double take when we read that. I was like, wait, this is a remake? I didn't know that. Now I have to go back and watch the original. Yes, me too. I agree. I, I did read, a um, little fun fact, was that they provided glasses to watch the original, but the glasses didn't work so that you could see the ghosts out of one. They were almost like 3D glasses where one side was red and one side was blue. Uh-huh. So you would see ghosts on the one side and then it would be hazy on the other, but they didn't really work. 1960s though so interesting cool. though yeah. a little gimmick to get people in it there is. but that is how original 3d glasses worked with the one and the one but yeah yeah i don't think it the, was quite developed enough yet it for was them in to, shot yeah. i also feel like this is prime for a remake again because i agree that the structure is very sound the elements are there and i remember you know certainly being younger like being scared and fascinated by these 13 different characters I agree. I, I was really disappointed watching it back again, you know, as an adult. And you're kind of craving more development. Right. The, this this movie is not really a horror movie. It's like a action movie, I guess. I don't really know. There isn't much. There's horror in this in the sense of like they could die, the ghost could kill them. But it's 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 not scary. I don't think. I I uh, I wouldn't even call this B rated horror. I love all horror in this. Well, B-rated yeah. horror knows – a lot of those movies know they're B-rated. It, right. You know, it, or they have a, a, a restriction in script uh, – in um sorry, in finance or whatever that forces them to do things a certain way. And you can appreciate it for that. This movie was given a budget. It was given actors that can – can act? Can they act? I guess in other things they can act. Are they all Canadian? Maybe this explains maybe, a lot. Maybe it does. I don't Matthew know. Matthew Lillard is and Tony Shalhoub is, aren't they? Oh, yeah. And Shannon Elizabeth is. Oh, my gosh. Oh, oh. you Not cracked said. it. You cracked the case. <laughs> all right. Oh, so sorry, ca- so Canada. Canada sent this to us. All right. Sorry, that's sorry. a problem. I got it. Blame Canada. No, but also okay. this was a remake. And I will say, you know, as we talked before, you know, whether it's a screenplay or a book that's being made into a movie or, you know, a movie remake, right? They are being beholden to, to your point, right? That you're just saying now, like there's a specific plot, there's specific circumstances, you know, but, but at the end of the day, I will say, you know, it felt like a cliff notes almost to me. Like there wasn't, you didn't get to know any of the ghosts enough for them to actually be that interesting. Again, I don't know why, like back in the day, that was, that was clearly enough. I just think now, like, was Buffy the Vampire going on at the yeah, same time? Yeah, it was already almost over. Yeah, so you've got like all this kind of like background of Buffy the Vampire. I don't know how you know that. 97. Yeah, <laughs> right? And then Angel was coming out, so you're kind of transitioning into Angel's probably going out at the same time. So you've got all this kind of like back history going on during this time when it came out that just made it really interesting and relevant. 
And now I think we're just so much more content driven. I think we're content spoiled these days. That makes us a piece of crap. Well, (laughs) I'm going to go back to what I said before, which is this movie is like a 90s holdover to me. If you've ever seen Wayne's World from the early 90s, Wayne's World's world is like what the 90s would have been had Nirvana and grunge music not happened. It's like a holdover from the 80s, big hair bands, all that stuff. But it's in like 91 is when they filmed it. And by the time it came out that like next year, Nirvana exploded and it totally changed the musical landscape. So it's this weird thing. And I think this movie's kind of like that as well. The 90s horror was a, a lot less scary, I guess, compared to what comes after, which is The Ring, which sets up this whole tone and kind of more serious horror. This definitely is not. The acting was so terrible. The, the dialogue was horrible. Like Matthew Lillard can be funny, but he was overdoing it or something. He and then the nanny, like, so you have, she's definitely the token uh, black girl. Although oh, I, yeah. Although it did not work. Another I don't token. know. I liked her more than pretty much anybody else in the she movie, She had one funny joke. One. Yeah, and I mean, you have... She had one line that really sounded authentic. Then they try to give her that, like, joke at the end of the movie. And you're like, wow, that was literally just patronizing. Yeah. (laughs) Right? You're like, let's get the black lady to ad-lib something and slap it on at the end. Like, that was bad. All right. You you want me to move on? (laughs) All right. Here we go. Posing as a power company inspector, Dennis meets the family and Moss as they tour the mansion. The residence is made entirely of glass sheets inscribed with Latin phrases, which Dennis recognizes as barrier spells. While searching the basement, Dennis is hit by psychic flashes and discovers the 12 angry ghosts he and Cyrus captured are imprisoned in the house held captive by the spells. As Dennis warns Arthur, Moss slips downstairs and picks up a valise of cash, unwittingly triggering a mechanism that seals the house and releases the ghosts one by one. He dies when a set of sliding doors snaps shut, cutting him in half. Bobby slips away from Kathy and Maggie and enters the basement where he sees several of the ghosts, particularly that of the withered lover, his mother Jean, who had died of injuries sustained in a house fire. He is knocked unconscious and dragged away. So before all this happened, we see the video where Cyrus is giving the house to Arthur. And behind Cyrus is this whole black zodiac symbol thing. And when he's having like the tell-all in the video... It's almost like they're having a conversation where author says, I keep wanting to call him monk. Author says, what is this key for? And then the guy says, it's for a house. And I, I was just like, please. <laughs> That's funny. I did not even catch that. It was a I conversation. Think, I think I was like staring so much at that AOL-like interface yeah. that they were using. Yeah. I couldn't take my eyes off of it. And the fact that they had screaming faces in the background mm-hmm. of the video. And, like, nobody's looking at this key going, I don't know. Uh, Cyrus, you're you're kind of surrounded by dead bodies in this video that you sent me. Maybe I'm not going to choose to take this yeah, one on. The 25-year-old daughter <laughs> is <laughs> like, yes, let's take it. Yeah. Oh, my God. I think the best part about that is how the video – like the window disappeared and would come back up in a different place and disappear and come back up and he'd have more to say. Like, yes. why, why, what are we doing there? Why? why? <laughs> I, oh I didn't notice. I just felt like it went to another video that he showed and then it was like he came back to to end his dialogue. I don't, know. I don't know. That didn't bother me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways. Okay. Did you guys see it when they drove up? 
the wood paneled station wagon. Oh. See, it came back. Which which was two thousand and one? They were in a wood panel station yes, wagon. Yes, they were in a yeah. wood panel sa- station be- wagon. That's because two thousand baby. That's because okay. <laughs> that's because they had an SUV and it burned up with the house in the garage. And the father didn't have a job because he was, you know, had a mental break. And they had to buy an old busted up station wagon. Look, obviously we agree that they're destitute and they're buying it. They're, they're driving a piece of junk. But as per our, what, it was our Halloween discussion, right? Mm-hmm. The Halloween right. review? Yeah. They do exist in 2001. <laughs> well, I, I know they, no, it wasn't our Halloween review. It was, um. It was uh, House on Haunted Hill, our companion podcast piece that if you're not following, you should follow. Because uh, they escape in the oh yeah in right, the right, station right, wagon. Right. Yes, and yes. I was saying that that takes place probably in the 90s. God, we have got to keep a weird running list of this stuff. Like the wood panel <laughs> station wagon. Well, the popcorn. The Jiffy Pop. Popcorn, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, Maybe. we got to keep a list. No popcorn in this movie, unfortunately. Could have done with some popcorn probably. I, yeah. I probably should have had more drinks but i watched it on a work night so yeah yeah definitely doing <laughs> shots while taking this would yes. immensely improve this maybe every time you see boobs or something i don't, I don't know yeah, well, okay, okay. Boobs. all right let me yes okay so let me let me i was going to talk about boobs but there's you guys one, you well, girls one part about boobs you're you, right you ladies you, broke broke well, the whole conversation up so you can't avoid it yeah so i will say a couple things um I'm gonna skip the actual boobs, and I just—they uh, teased what us. Actual they, boobs. They teased us with Shannon Elizabeth's, yes, boobs a little bit when she's getting clawed. when she's getting clawed up, and he kind of claws her shirt, and then he like yeah. claws her bra, and it's like, yes. oh, there's a little chip there. No, 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 nothing. No, yeah. And I was like, and you yeah, I saw the fake ones from the ghost. Yeah, then you, I don't think those were actually fake. Well. Oh like, yeah, no, they no, 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 so no, fake. no, 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 so badly no, fake. No, right. I, they I might can't... be hers, but they were fake. Is that what you Maybe saying? they were hers that they were fake. Or they're sure. just fake, complete no, prosthetics. I, no, I don't think they were prosthetics because I swear no I saw a making of about this movie, and they showed them the applying the the scarring to her chest. Uh, maybe I'm making it up. I don't know. They were terrible, <laughs> whatever they were. <laughs> They were horrible. Yes. I'm sorry if the scars are the boobs. I, I'm sorry if those are your real boobs. That the, <laughs> no, that was bad. All right, so all right, I don't whatever with the boobs. <laughs> Ray disagrees. I no, I I don't disagree. Not my kind. Of I don't boobs, disagree, sorry. but I'm trying to find something in the movie that's interesting, and the the boobs were at least something <laughs> to look at. We had to talk about it. There no, are but, boobs, but here's the thing. Here's the thing about that ghost Check. though that I don't. Un- I don't know why I'm even pointing this out because nothing really makes sense in this movie. <laughs> but, but so she's in the tub and a Shannon Elizabeth comes in. And I think this is a pretty that decent was scene, a right? Cool scene. But yeah, it's and in... with a bathroom all painted in blood and the yeah, I'm yeah, sorry yep. on the ground. Come on, that was cool. And the, and the like water and then it turns to blood or whatever. Yeah. But what's interesting to me is I don't know if it was the actress just herself um, or if she was told to do this, but she seems very much like looking at shannon elizabeth's character and i don't know trying to decide like she just she isn't just about stabbing her or killing her or whatever mm-hmm. like she was trying to i don't know she was thinking about understand. something understand i don't yeah. know what it was and i wish there was had been more of that like right. the psyche of the ghosts instead of just they, nothing. they did talk about it so i thought that was interesting i think you see that a couple of times that they're not just outright like pulling people apart stabbing them from from the get-go which I wasn't sure how I felt about it. I was kind of like, well, either you're like pure evil and you're just going around and stabbing everybody 
Or, yeah, I mean, they were playing up the idea that they, I, I don't really want to say had a soul, had, had like a moral compass, a conscience. Obviously, they didn't. But what they were saying was, you know, not all ghosts are, are all bad or not all ghosts are bad or good. And they, they spoke to that a little bit. But, but there, it, again, there was just no development there. No, but it, it yeah, I, I agree with you. But it seemed like they were targeting these ghosts, uh, all the ghosts except for the mother were basically violent. Right. Right? I mean, she had a knife. I'm assuming she used that knife to kill herself in real life, but she was also – it looks like she was going to use it to stab somebody. Right. right? And obviously the, the jackal was the guy that – the crazy ghost that was going after everybody, um, which was the one who was causing the most damage. But like, yeah, the creepy mom and the big baby boy yes. or whatever. Yeah. Um, I just – yeah, they, they just didn't do enough with, with them. For me to understand. So I don't know. This is part of my fun fact, but I feel like I need to do it at the end. If you own the DVD, and I'm certainly not plugging that you go out and buy the DVD. <laughs> Look, you can we get might it. have L- this. Listen, listen. <laughs> I listen. might have bought it I, in 2003. Listen, I guarantee this movie is bundled with like five other movies for one dollar. <laughs> <laughs> so they like have like the a, they do a, a little history of each of the ghosts in the DVD. Oh, yeah. See, that's cool. So my fun facts is going back and talking a little bit about that because I feel if you had known the story of the ghosts, it might have meant a little bit more to you watching this movie. I don't think it would have added much. See, but that's what I mean. Like, I think there's really interesting content here. And, like, the house was amazing. Like, the glass house. I will agree with that. With the scripting and the mechanics. Like, that was so cool. Also, I I would want to know more, like – is that a set that they built specifically that is still intact? Like, it seemed very robust. Right. So I don't know if they just broke There's it down no after no privacy. This. That was another problem I had. Well, no privacy. So she goes – like, the, the daughter goes into the bedroom and is picking her broom and essentially picks the room – this is the room with the bloody bathroom yeah. – picks the room of the suicide girl. And there's perfume on, on the dresser. The bed is really nice. Glass walls. Big bothersome thing for me. Puts the perfume on. Why would you do that? Clearly, this isn't for you. So you're picking, putting somebody else's perfume on. Then goes into the bathroom, which had the kind of like the glass blocks. Yeah, the opaque glass blocks, yeah. yeah. I, I just wouldn't want to go to the bathroom in there. Opaque. The, even the floors were glass. Know. Yeah. Where did, where are the pipes? I was going to say. The pi- <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess as long as the pipes aren't also glass. see-through. As, as long as the toilet isn't glass. Yeah, it's, it's, all, yeah. it's all a little weird. Can, I mean, although, you have to suspend your relief. And they do call it out. Like a house of glass, it doesn't make any sense. There's no privacy. So you just kind of go with it. All right. So there is one thing in this movie that I think is superior to almost anything I've seen in another movie, any other movies. And that is the effect of the lawyer being bisected. By the doors. I thought that was such a good effect. I was looking at it like, how are they doing this? And he slides down, and I'm like, oh, and you see and, like the optic and the nerves, other like, sides, and the yes. other side so slides cool. down, brutal. and like his eyes are like moving. Like I was like, how did they do that? Very good, brutal. I thought the same thing. I thought that was the best effect in the whole movie. No, I, I thought it was the best effect in many movies. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that until we were watching again, and then I remember definitely having seen that and just how graphic that was, even for its time. Yeah. I mean, even the ghosts back then were graphic. That's true. The ghosts were. Although, yeah. although I think it's an interesting narrative decision to have him be killed by the glass walls instead of having him be killed by a ghost. 
Well, and it made it seem like the ghost was um, controlling the glass walls. Where in actuality, you're like, well, they're not metaphysical. Like, that's not their thing. No. So, it, it, again, was a little bit of a misstep kind of to create this cool effect. That was my favorite part of the movie. That was the only time I found <laughs> something funny because the nanny then says, what, did the lawyer split after he literally got split? Oh, there oh, you go. Yeah. So I laughed and then that was it. Okay, let's move on to the next section. Using a pair of spectral glasses that allow the wearer to see into the supernatural realm, Dennis convinces Maggie that the ghosts are real. Dennis discovers that the jackal, one of the most dangerous of the 12 ghosts, has been released and that the family is now in grave danger. The jackal attacks Kathy when she and Arthur enter the basement in search of Bobby, but they're saved by Kalina, a spirit liberator who is attempting to free the ghosts. Kathy disappears soon afterward, and the four adults gather in the library where Arthur learns that Jean's ghost is trapped in the house. Kalina explains that the house is a machine powered by the captive ghosts that can allow its user to see the past, present, and future. The only way to shut it down, she says, is through the creation of a 13th ghost from a sacrifice of pure love. Arthur realizes that he must become that ghost by dying to save his children. Okay, so the other thing that we didn't talk about that is decent about this plot are all the twists. So again, I think the you know the movie is prime for a remake. You could definitely clean this up, better the effects, give a backstory to the the ghosts. I mean, I felt like a good quarter of the movie was just like a camera wandering the hallways with no ghosts in sight, no people in sight, trying to do this kind of spooky effect. And you're just like, did yeah. you run out of budget? I agree. That was weird and, and pointless. And to your point, Ray, like in the beginning, if you're trying to rush all this stuff into a 90-minute movie, then take away the scenes that you're just breathing, where you're spending like 30 to 60 seconds just of open air. So I thought that was annoying. But I thought the plot twists were good. So because they kind of get to this house and you're like, why are they there? Like, this is weird. And, you know, then the lawyer goes to get the money and then it triggers the whole reaction. And you're like, but why would it do that? Like, if the lawyer was in on whatever's happening, then why? Uh, like, it, you're just kind of going through this. Like, you're not really sure, you know, what's happening or where this is going or why anybody would want to put children in danger. So you're kind of like, it, 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 was this on purpose or, you know, was it accidental? Were they not meant to be there? Or like, was the lawyer meant to get them out? And then, then of course, inevitably you learn that Cyrus isn't dead. He is, in fact, alive. He's there. He's, right, pulled this whole thing together. And even Kalina isn't who we thought she was. Yeah, yeah so this part of the movie, what bothered me was the fact that Kathy disappears and doesn't show up again till the last reel, basically. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, they don't they don't use her at all. In fact, both the kids just sort of go away and then come back at the last scene. And I thought that was a real missed opportunity. Uh, in today's world, I could imagine that it would have been Arthur that ends up being killed or whatever, and Kathy ends up being the heroine. And it's not like, I mean, 2001 is not that or that long ago. I mean, we had have had strong female characters uh, in movies, you know, in 2001 and previous. So I thought it was a missed opportunity there. Um, and Kalina, as far as Kalina's character, I don't, I don't know who the actress is. I've seen her before in other movies, but I found her to be a little annoying. I think you could, I guess you could probably tell that she was bad, right? <laughs> Army of Darkness. Oh, Army of Darkness. That's where I know her from. Yeah. Excellent. 
I mean, I agree. I mean, the whole like Bobby disappearance thing annoyed me as well. You're just kind of like, wait, where where did Bobby go? Like he's literally MIA. But at first it seemed like they weren't even going to look for him. Like, which we've seen movies do before. Like, somebody disappears, and then everybody's in, like, survivalist mode, and they're just, like, you've never even heard of that character before. I mean, this, you're like, you know, Tony Shalhoub, he's a widower. Like, all he has is his kids and his crazy nanny. Like, you would think, of course, you know, he he's going to just be out of his mind crazy trying to find the kids, trying to get back to them. So I was – there was, like, this weird moment of pause sort of when, like, Bobby's suddenly missing – and they haven't gone into full search mode yet that I was like, oh, like this is now we're really starting to see this movie fall apart. But then they brought it back and it all starts searching for Bobby, you know, which was good. Um, uh, and then to your point, the daughter disappears. So then you're wondering, you know, were were the kids, you know, killed by the ghosts? Are the ghosts taking them to get their body and have it like who knows what they're doing with these kids? And of course, ultimately, it's sort of like plays back into this whole theme of they try to get this family trapped in this house so they can take advantage of Art's generous spirit by sacrificing himself for the 13th ghost and didn't necessarily intend on hurting the kids all along. But meanwhile, you know, we're going to open up a gate to hell. So, you know, either way. Yeah, I mean, that whole scene where they're in the library and Kalina is basically just dumping this whole load of information on you. I, I didn't like it. It's just her talking and right. kind of reiterating what she had said a little bit previously. And even her introduction, she's shown what in her in her house or wherever she's at. And she's like putting all her gear together. And it's a, a trick, right? I mean, you think she's going to save them in the house or whatever and, con- and confront the ghost and free them. And in reality, she's there on behalf of, of Cyrus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> Of course, the first trick to me was that the whole freeing of the ghost thing, like, why would you want to free those ghosts? Most of them are bad. Do you really want to free the jackal and let him go? He's going to go kill people. Like, I would leave him trapped if I had the choice. But again, maybe they'd be happier if they were free and they wouldn't be killing people as much. And, And that's where I thought they toyed with that idea that they weren't just immediately killing everybody. But I thought the same thing. I'm like, are you crazy? Like, <laughs> you're going to let these out? But it was interesting. I mean, sort of to the Greenpeace conversation up front. It's like sometimes people are just very like, again, you know, it's a spiritual entity. It doesn't matter if it's going to do harm. The point is that you should not be playing God. Yeah, I assumed when she meant freeing the spirits that it was almost like you were letting them cross to the other side. No, not you could just, only hope. No, yeah. I thought it was letting them out of those boxes that he was trapping the them earth. in. I thought it meant like getting them off the earth and into wherever they were supposed to go. Well, Presumably no. hell for the most part. I didn't think that because she basically pulls dynamite or C4 out of her bag and says, yeah, I can free them by blowing up the house, which is not going to send them to heaven or hell. It's just going to let them free, I guess, mm. which is another thing. She takes that, that explosive and she... That was a whole red herring, I guess. She just, like, took it out of her bag to act like she was putting it together. Yeah, I'm going to go downstairs and blow some things up, I guess. And and then she just... Yeah, I thought that was all bizarre. So she has the, the flares, and then she has explosives. and uh... Yeah, I get the flares because she's in the house, and the ghosts are in the house, and she could be in danger herself. But, like, the explosives, she has no intention of blowing that house yeah, up. Yeah, I... But again, I think that was the point, which I agree in the moment. I was like, this doesn't make any freaking sense. And then like she goes and, you know, oh, like she's Cyrus's actual like lover. Oh, just kidding. Also, she's a dope that just got smushed between two walls. But yeah, kind of like in hindsight, I was like, okay, 
I guess that was like a whole act she was doing type of thing. And did she it really seem like she'd be Cyrus's lover? You have this man in a silk scarf and a suit. And then you got this girl with the nose ring. Green, <laughs> green piece. Well, he was just using her, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, we just got into the next section. So let me, let me just read it. That's fine. Yeah. Armed with a pane of special glass, Arthur and Dennis enter the basement to find the children. Dennis barricades Arthur into a corner behind the glass, protecting Arthur, but allowing two ghosts, the hammer and the juggernaut, to beat Dennis to death. It is then revealed that Cyrus faked his death to lure Arthur to the house. Kalina is his secret partner. Cyrus has orchestrated the abduction of Kathy and Bobby so that Arthur will become the 13th ghost, which will not stop the machine, as Kalina has claimed, but trigger its activation. Cyrus kills Kalina and summons the ghosts to activate the machine. Arthur arrives at the main hall and witnesses all 12 ghosts orbiting a clockwork device of rotating metal rings with his children at the center. Discovering Cyrus's true fate, Arthur fights Cyrus while Maggie disrupts the machine's controls, releasing the ghost from its power. The ghosts hurl Cyrus into the rings, slicing him into pieces with the encouragement of Dennis's ghost. Arthur jumps into the machine, avoiding the rings and saving his children. The walls of the house shatter as the malfunctioning machine rips itself apart, freeing the ghosts. Dennis smiles at Arthur and departs, and Jean's ghost appears before the family, telling them that she loves them before she and all the other ghosts disappear. As the family leaves the house, Maggie exclaims that she is quitting. I feel like they did not give Maggie enough credit in this wiki over saving the day. Just a little bit. I would agree with that. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, so uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting about this movie is right at this time, you're seeing a lot of that more active incorporation of CGI directly into movies. And as we kind of hit on, I think a lot of the things effect-wise that are strong in this movie are all those practical effects. The makeup, the ghosts, right? The prosthetics, the costuming, the sliced lawyer. Again, a very practical effect. Like, really, you know, best in class. Like, top of the game. Like, really good. And then if you look at the CGI, so the the rotating rings that Tony Shalhoub, which also, I don't know well, I don't know why you got to be jumping in and out to try to get, don't even get me there. But th- <laughs> those were better, but the machine was really poor. The machine was poor. Right? But at that time, it was really good. Yeah. So when I watched this, you know, in 2002 or whatever, I mean, that was impressive. And the idea of all the gears and the doors and everything else, like, and, and again, practically, and the panels of glass, how they had those etched, all of that is so well done. But now we look at that kind of like goofy gear thing where it's right. The shadowing isn't quite right. The textures aren't quite right. Um, you know, it just looks really janky. So here's my problem with the final act of this movie. First, for some reason, Cyrus is still walking around with a fake neck cut. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, he's been dead for how long and he just didn't get cleaned up. Like, who's he? who is he trying to trick into thinking he's a ghost? Kalina knows he's not a ghost. Um, anybody who just didn't have the glasses on would know he wasn't a ghost because they can see him. So I'm not really under- – I didn't understand that whole part. It was basically there so that to trick us as the viewer when Bobby sees him in the second act or the end of the first act or whatever it is. So I didn't like that. I also didn't understand when Kalina comes down into the room with him and she says, well, Arthur isn't going to do it unless his kids are in danger. And he says, go put the kids in danger. Then we go away, I think, to to Arthur and Dennis, and we come back, and they're in the room still, or again, and he's like, he, he walks past her, and he says, well, go get the, get, get the book. And she gets the book to follow him, and that's when he crushes her. The implication is that she left and went and took the kids and put them in the center of the port. 
portal? What was the plan originally to do with the kids? They took the kids, and I, I guess I didn't understand any of that. It just seemed like it was they had to walk you through it in such a way that it was it was idiot proof, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of felt like that was his plan all along. She just might not have played along if she had known that because she obviously had hesitation against using the kids or harming the kids. But, you know, Cyrus is like, well, duh. Why do you think I got the whole family here? Yeah. You know, and if the kids didn't come with, you know, art to come check out the house, then fine. We could probably still convince them anyways. Yeah, I guess. I felt like one of the other issues... So you have these 12 ghosts, and I guess they were specific to this whole thing. But then Dennis dies, right? So you think, why isn't he compelled by this spell to bring them all to the center? Like, I just felt like there was a lot of... Oh, yeah. You you don't explain why couldn't he have been the 13th ghost? Because he kind of sacrificed himself. Not for love, but he sacrificed himself for the uh, Arthur. I, I just he sacrificed like- himself for Arthur's love for his kids. <laughs> yes. See how that works? So I yeah. felt like there was a huge loophole. Yeah. Like, here's Dennis. He doesn't get compelled. Yeah. Why did I mean, he have to die? And to your point, she has this this book that's, like, written in the 1500s. And the description of these ghosts is, like, almost exactly like these ghosts that, they're, that he happens to have in some instances. But then just sort of quasi kind of the same thematically for some of the other ones. And I, I don't know. Like, the, it wasn't the jackal, like, literally in one of the pages. And like practically, and like the mother and the baby, yeah, seem very specific. Yeah, and it's like this is the fifteen hundreds. Like those ghosts have not existed for that entire time. I don't know. That's a fair point. I didn't think about them writing that book, you know, centuries ago, and the legitimacy of those spirits. I guess you just kind of think spiritual texts are, you know, they 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 are not bound by space and time. I guess I don't think I, I don't think Cyrus went point, back though. in time and wrote the book like. Ash went back in time no, to fulfill no, no, his own no. prophecy. Right. No, but like, yeah, exactly. Like if they're prophecies, they're prophecies, even if they're centuries in the past. But yeah, no, that's a fair point. I didn't really think of it that way. But I did figure, you know, sort of the same thing. The way that they set it up was like they had recruited these 13 semi-generic ghosts and then they get into it and they're very, very specific. They're not just thematically specific. So the 13th ghost about sacrificing yourself for love, I felt like was just the right amount yeah. of... Yes, it has to be something very specific, but generic enough that it could be you, it could be me, it could be anybody type of thing. Yeah, like they, the Withered Lover, like the two of them were the only ones that were sort of like, you know, modern that made sense. Like this mini mini mom and jumbo giant overfed baby. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> like, where, yeah. where does that come from and how does it make any sense? And is that even a thing in the 1500s? I don't know. See, I don't know. Yeah, so when you read the description of what these ghosts are supposed to be they were supposed to be general themes and then he found specific like these yeah the, specific the, what, ghosts. The ghosts that met but like the the criteria but i didn't understand like couldn't it would have been nice to know how how did he do the research to find these ghosts in order to trap them you know like there there's so many open-ended things well i felt like that was again he had basically limitless resources He'd spent all this money. He had, right, like literally, like like you said, um, you know, paramilitary working for him. I mean, tons of money over decades, as he referenced. So I kind of went, all right, he's done his research. He constructed that house. He's got all these spells. I mean, there is a lot of history there. But 
Yeah, I mean, kind of to like where these ghosts came from or what. Right. I, I guess we need a prequel. <laughs> so, Not by the same director, any Canadian, no. please. Yeah. You know, and I'm reading here a little bit about the cast. Um, you know, even um, the torso, which got about, you know, 0.5 seconds of screen time. And this poor guy, you know, Daniel Wesley as Jimmy the Gambler Gambino, the torso. And I'm like, that's more information than we got in like 91 minutes with this. Like, oh. You know, it was a mafia hit that that guy was dismembered. Mm-hmm. That's that's freaking interesting. Was the torso even up there on the at the end? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay, it was stumpy, I don't know. Yeah, yeah okay. uh, saran wrapped torso. Sure. Yeah. You, the other thing that I thought they were going to go to, which they didn't, which was the idea that Cyrus actually had the house burned down to kill. I did the too. Mother, so I that for his, sure they were going so, there. Yeah, so that Arthur would to set these set emotion. the stage, they and they they, the didn't, whole, they never went there. They didn't quite connect it, but it yeah. was almost implied. It, it is. I mean, I thought it was was implied pretty much. So for the fun facts, I can run through the thirteen ghosts if you'd like. Sure, let's, let's do, do that. Do it. Okay. So the first one's the firstborn son. So that's the kid who has the arrow shot in the back. So apparently he was playing and somehow got shot in the back of the head. Yeah. I don't know why they made him so devious. Like, he wasn't really quite devious, but he was just trying to call the kid down, I guess, to get things. Like, the the boy. What was the boy's name? Bobby. Bobby down in, into the basement. There's some naughty little kids out there. <laughs> he's he's more evil than naughty, but you yeah. know. Um, yeah. The second well, one he's torso. upset. He was shot in the head with an arrow <laughs> during his in, in the back Indi- of the head. Indian prince or whatever session. Uh, the second is the torso where we talked about it, the gambler. But apparently he was wrapped in cellophane and then his body was put into the ocean, kind of dexterly. Nice. The third one's the bound woman. I did not. You see like five seconds of her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's like the torso, barely, just like flickers. Right. So she had a jealous boyfriend who strangled her to death with his tie. Okay. So uh, she was one of the ones I was actually the most curious about. Because at first, you know, you hear the bound woman and you're seeing kind of ropes or whatever on her, but you can't quite catch what it is. Then later, you can see clearly that they're ties. Mm-hmm. But then, like, the way that she's shaking and whatnot, I didn't know if she was, like, partaking in, like, asphyxiation, like, sexual. Bondage. Right. Yeah. I was just kind of like, oh. It like, seems like it was, like, more of a <laughs> she cheated on him and he then kills her with his tie. Well, that's infinitely less interesting than right. I thought. The fourth one's obviously the with the lover who's the wife, Jean. She dies in a fire. Uh, the fifth one's the Torn Prince. There was just a car accident. He happened to be a baseball player, hence the baseball bat. I felt like you could do more with that in the movie, but, like, he didn't see – you saw more of him than the um, Bound Woman, but not not too much. Mm-hmm. Sixth one, the Angry Princess Suicide. She thought she could be prettier, so she tried to fix herself and then didn't, and then decided to commit suicide. She tried to fix herself Fix herself with, like, plastic sur- like plastic surgery on oh. herself. Apparently, she thought she saw a defect on her face and tried to go at it. Oh. Yeah. Not giving herself a breast implant? Because <laughs> that would have made more sense. That would have made more sense. The seventh one is the pilgrimess. So she dies in the stocks because she was accused of witchcraft. Yeah, that was the only really throwback one, I thought. And they called right. her just the pilgrim. Did they say pilgrimess? I thought they were saying the pilgrim. And it then, was, like, yeah, who knows what the if that matches with what I found because it wasn't through the website or anything. It was just yeah. random information. I mean, it says it there too, but yeah, that threw me off too because you had like this crazy old lady in sort of like this stock, stock like, yeah, but it was confusing what was happening. So, right. and then I was like, a pilgrim, really? Okay. Then we have eight and nine, which is your favorite, the great child and the dire mother. <laughs> my 
favorite. Oh. So the dire mother is apparently a three foot tall woman who ends up deciding to go into the carnival. So don't know if they Stop had those it. in the 1500s. She gets raped by the tall man, hence this very large baby whom she dotes on a little bit too much with the overfeeding. That's messed up. Yeah. Wait, so then I want to know how they die. She overfed him to death, which you can assume. And then what? She commits so suicide? That's not what happens. So what oh. happens Wait a He ate her. <laughs> no, yes. no, he didn't. No, that's um, not right. She... And then he choked. <laughs> Ew. She, so they're working at the carnival. They decide to play a prank because I guess, I don't know, they didn't like the relationship between mom and baby man. They put her into a sack where she suffocates. He then goes on a murderous rampage and then gets executed. Because of the murderous rampage. The overeating was a much better story. I, I feel yeah. like, yes, we could have gone with a better just, story there. Oh, uh, then there's Ten as a Hammer. He's wrongly accused of theft. The townspeople then drive railroad spikes into his body with his own sledgehammer. Jeez. He was a really cool character, I thought. Intense. Yeah. Eleven is a jackal. He dies in a fire um, in an insane asylum, which is the box around his face. Yeah. Oh. I guess he kept trying to tear people apart. And 12 is the Juggernaut, who's a serial killer who's gunned down by police. I guess this happens in that... Junkyard. Junkyard, yeah. Car place. And then obviously 13 is the Broken Heart. I'm like so impressed they have such backstories. Yeah. Um, they DVDs, are... The backstories on the DVD is probably way more interesting than the movie. Yeah, so they spent way more time coming up with the backstories for the ghost than they did the dialogue in the movie that the actors have to actually oh, for sure. speak. And on for the sure. internet, that's what most people are talking about is this Black Zodiac... This arcane book. Are, are people on the internet still talking about this movie? <laughs> yes. Some people go back and watch awesome. it and review it and say how much they love it. And I was like, did I watch the same movie? No, see, I see. That was me. L- listen. I- <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll leave what I want to say till the end, I guess. So <laughs> It is the end, so go for it. All right. Now that we've reviewed the movie, it's time to rate it. Only the best movies make it to the top of the hill. And to be the best, they have to perform in three categories. First, technical composition, which represents how well the movie was made, including script, directing, cinematography, acting, and effects. Second is impact, which represents how well the movie accomplished its emotional intent. Was it scary or funny? Did it make you question mankind or the nature of your reality? And finally, third, enjoyment, which is pretty simple. Just how much did you enjoy watching the movie? Would you watch it again? Do you never want to see it again? So... Let's start with uh, technical composition. Helen, what do you think about this movie? I gave it a four. I thought some of the effects were super cool. The ghosts were really well done. The house was pretty amazing, especially with the way the, the walls kept changing. There was really no plot. <laughs> like the, I, I, I don't say there was no plot. The plot wasn't really well spelled out. I think I know more about the plot because I researched it. Mm-hmm. Not because they told it to me. So I gave it a four. Okay. And? Yeah, I gave it a five. I felt the same where there were some really strong suits and then there were really just some hollow elements to it. So again, right where we were talking about costuming and makeup and the lawyer effect, the house being built. I mean, all of those were really, really, really good. You know, if we're talking about acting in this as a categorical, (laughs) as a categorical representation as well, you know, very, very mediocre um again the backstories of the ghost very interesting but not in the movie so just kind of some holes that you know rounded it out just for a very average school score for me i also gave it a four as you both said 
the acting, although I don't pin it on the acting exactly, the script was poor. I think the actors can only do so much with what they're given. Uh, was not good. Uh, the building itself was awesome. Some of the effects were really good. Uh, the makeup for the ghosts was pretty good. CGI, eh, it's 2001. What are you going to do? The cinematography also was lacking. It, it was all MTV movie video type of thing, and I just I wasn't into it. So, four. You know, with the CGI comment, I just have to make another comment to that comment. Sure. Like, when we watched The Exorcist, they willingly took the most iconic scene of the woman walking backwards down the stairs out because you could see the strings, the strings holding her. Yep. In this case, I feel like they just did it because they thought it would be cool. Like, they didn't even think, like, hey, this looks fake. So I feel let down. Just want to throw that out there. Okay. Noted. <laughs> All right, let's let's go on to the second one, which is Impact. And what do you think about the Impact? So Impact for me, again, I thought that there were some really things that you know felt like a little flat, um, but overall there were st- still some really good jump scares. You know, at the end of the day, so I gave it a six. So it wasn't the weakest score because I didn't feel like you know this was a walk in the park, but it definitely wasn't up there with like an Annabelle or anything that just like disturbs you. Okay, so I don't, I don't know if we're watching the same movie exactly. <laughs> um, I gave this a one. I felt like it was hollow to me. The, like I said, the movie just was a 90s popcorn flick. I'm not even sure it really qualifies. It does qualify as horror. It has ghosts. It has jump scares. But eh, I, I was not impressed with it pretty much at all. So, one. I don't think I can figure out what the impact was supposed to be. Because it's from Canada. <laughs> Canada. <laughs> I always say Canada. Um, I gave it a four because I figured I'd give him something. Very generous of you. I was going to say, yes, I guess that's being nice. <laughs> uh, and finally, let's talk about enjoyment. Anne. So again, for me, this was one where I was really excited to see this movie and kind of like do that throwback. Um, you know, liked it when I was a kid. Um, just remember on a couple of different levels, you know, why why I like this back then, watching it again. Um, it was funny because I, I was just mentioning, um, you know, off air that it's one of those where when you're first watching it, you're like, oh, okay, you know, there's some good things, there's some bad things, like it kind of levels its, itself out. And then, you, you know, you, you get a good night rest, you wake up the next day and just kind of go, Mm, mm, no, uh, you know, if I if I was spending my time watching this versus spending my time watching even like a new, you know, B rate or you know like semi you know negative review option, what would I do? So I just gave this a very average five. So again, it's not one of those where I would go out of my way to watch it again, but you know, I like the technical com- component, I like the mystical component, I like the idea of the thirteen ghosts. And if they really did make a remake to this, I would totally watch it. So I gave this a three. Uh, when the one of the best things about the movie are fake slashed boobs, <laughs> I I can't I just can't get behind it. Um, I like the potential of this movie more than I liked the movie itself. Uh, the idea of spells and uh, the Latin phrases on the wall and controlling ghosts in that way, sort of ghost busting in that way, if you will, will um, 
is interesting to me. Uh, the idea of Matthew Lillard's character being a psychic and kind of working with uh, the Ghostbusters is a cool concept. The idea of the ghosts in the house in the gateway to hell is a cool concept. We never see the gateway to hell. It's just none of it comes together to me in with within the movie itself. So three. Helen. Give it a two. I don't want to see it again. I would see remake. I Hopefully they would play more with the story like Ray was saying, but two. Here's a question. Would you read fan fiction about the 13 ghosts since you did the uh, background? Probably not. <laughs> okay. Okay, Anne. So why don't you tell us about the scale we're using and then give us our individual scores and then the overall score for 13 ghosts. Okay, so the way that we rate our movies, it's on a 1 to 10 scale, 1 being the lowest, 10 being the highest. For technical impact enjoyment, uh, looking at our combined scores, Helen, you rated this movie overall a 3.33. So a whopping, don't make me watch this movie again. Please. (laughs) Ray, you rated this movie even lower at at a 2.67. Yeah, I was offended by this movie. (laughs) (laughs) And it shows. And I was the most generous reader with this, for this movie, um, no doubt having some nostalgia for it at a 5.33, so right middle of the road. That makes the overall rating for this movie, 13 Ghosts, a 3.77. Okay, so that obviously doesn't put this movie at the top of the hill, but it doesn't actually put it at the bottom of the hill alone either. Uh, we reviewed Evil Dead 2, and Evil Dead 2 came in at a 3.77, so both of those movies have the same score. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious, for (laughs) such different reasons. Yeah, I would watch Evil Dead 2 many more times in this movie. (laughs) And I would not. Well, which which is why it has the same score, I guess. All right, well, if you've enjoyed this podcast, help us grow our audience. Rate and review us on iTunes, and please share with your friends and family on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media platforms. I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards, and on behalf of my co-hosts, I hope you'll join us next time when we review the 1992 American Gothic horror film Bram Stoker's Dracula. Dracula.